See, it did it again to me. Did it again to me. <laughs> okay, so. If you can't tell. Oh, oh, screw can't tell. Hi. Uh, my name's Joshua Vihill. This is the Bottom Fidelity Podcast. This is episode six, I think, at this point. Episode six. Um, what you're hearing now is like one of my favorite plug plugins uh, in the act at work, getting it done. Um, the Chiavitka, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's from Stoic Audio. They make some pretty interesting plugins. Um, and it's a tape mach- it's a tape machine emulator in a sense like a real-time tape engine is what they call it but for me what it does uh, a lot of the time is it allows me to basically have like an instant chopped and screwed for lack of a better term so this is kind of like what you get you know just like instant chopped and screwed right right because we'll bring it back watch so this is it off turned off. Now, see, this was the this was the track. I think it was the last track I might have used it as the uh, intro, and so it's just instant, instant lo-fi, instant lo-fi. It, that also that in and out part you can you know the the fade you can kind of screw with. It has all kinds of crazy shenanigans with it. Um, yeah, but anyways, by by the way, diatribe. Um, you know. <laughs> You know, uh, this is Bottom Fidelity, as I said. Uh, I'm hoping everybody had a good week, you know. Um, I hope everything's been, you know, going decent. We always hope it's going decent. The world's getting crazier, and we know there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, going down. Uh, And so you can only, you know, just count your blessings if you can in the moment. And, you know, even if you're in hard times, still count your blessings because that helps you. Or, it's you know, at least it's helped me uh, get through hard times and stuff like that so but yeah anyways i hope everybody had a good week i had a pretty decent week um uh, i'm excited because i got a new job which is exciting um i'm going to be going into the cannabis industry which is also even more exciting because i've kind of been it's kind of been what i've been wanting to do recently um basically i don't know for the last like a couple years or so i'd always it always kind of been in the back of my mind but I never really kind of, you know, engaged with it on a serious level. But yeah, so that all kind of came together. So that was cool. Um, And uh, beyond that, like, it's just been kind of a pretty good, pretty chillax week for the most part. Um, You know, just getting, getting, getting through more games. I haven't picked up Elden Ring yet, but I've been watching more people play it. And I kind of, it's kind of one of those things uh, and I wasn't even going to get into this. I guess we, we could just get into games right off the bat. Fuck it. But um, and I wasn't even going to talk about this in, this, in, in general, but because initially, ah, man, that first area, Elden Rings, maybe Elden Ring. And maybe it's just because it because of how they because of how it's designed, maybe. And maybe this is on purpose. Maybe I would get it more if it was if I played the game. But that first area is just kind of, you know, in a way, like very bland looking, even though it has like that crazy tree in the background. I don't know any of the names of any of these areas. I've literally just been watching like streamers playing this games. Like I don't even have like previous Dark Souls from from software game experience. I've just always kind of like looked in, played Bloodborne, I think a little bit. But beyond that, like just kind of been an observer from the outside when it comes to those games. And uh, this Elden Green game is uh 
as I've seen some of the later areas in the game, uh, it's actually kind of, I'm like, hmm, some of these areas look really crazy, like really cool, interesting, kind of dynamic. Uh, Cause at first I was like, man, this is, this is on one end, like kind of bland, like ethereal, like land kind of reminded me of like Sovereign Guard in, um, I think it's called Sovereign Guard uh, in uh, Skyrim kind of reminded me of that area, but like, I don't know, like, and then, and then you kind of vacillated between that and like these ruins that were kind of very, you know, like a uh, European medieval kind of, and then you had a lot of the characters, at least the knight characters and stuff, though, I guess in I, the lore of the game, or at least what I've been able to gather of it, that kind of makes sense with, within the context of everything. But, um, I don't know. I kind of, I've been meaning to want to play it more. Uh, I think, I still think it's such a weird game that everybody's been gravitating to, but I guess it's about time that From Software is like one of their games kind of like blew up into the stratosphere. I mean, heck, uh, Bloodborne was very much that, I'd got to say. Bloodborne was very much kind of like blown into the stratosphere to a certain degree. Um, that was another one of the big games that everybody talked about and whatnot. So, uh, or, or one of their big games that everybody talked about, at least I remember when that came out, everybody was a lot of the gamers and especially dark souls people, but even people just in general, for some reason, that one kind of caught on. I, I guess it's cause it's more of a active, like there's less parrying or blocking or there's something else in the game. I don't, again, I barely played that one, uh, been meaning or meant to play it more, but I just never kind of got into it. Um, but yeah, I might, you know, we'll see. I might pick up Elden Ring, but it's just been the same old, same old, but trying to get through Fallout 76, been trying to get through 76. I've been playing, you know, uh, trying to get through Don't Make Cry 5 because I finally uh, got that game and I hadn't played it in forever. Fell off Halo Infinite's camp play, uh, campaign for the most part. Like it just wasn't really kind of doing it for me. It's very boring. So that's why like people like complaining about co-op kind of don't, <laughs> don't I don't really understand it because I understand complaining about the fact that you know we don't have a roadmap like they said co-op was going to come out at some point but they haven't really given anybody any idea about it and where that kind of takes us in the grand scheme of things and so I understand people's kind of um frustration with that but a part of me is like well co-op for what this campaign because like this campaign's so boring like it's so like like it's I like it's interesting to move around the map as master chief but like in like again it comes back down to like that game at its corest at you know at its core at its bare bones uh kind of um what do you call it uh that game kind of you know it's structurally a really really good game uh if i can get these words out it's structurally a really really good game um you know, it feels good. The movement and everything feels amazing. The way, you know, it's it feels very kinetic. It feels very, I like to use the word kinetic a lot, I guess. It feels, it feels good. It feels good to like melee people for the most part, except for like ghosting through them. It feels good to like take people down. The grenades have a lot of good impact. Um, and so the bare bone, like the bones of the game feel great. Uh, but like, the the campaign just kind of boring like you're just kind of there's like a lot of kind of dead areas and i don't know if it's because and maybe it's just because it's on my version or i need to update it or maybe i'm getting a glitch or something but music doesn't really play that often um it plays every once in a while when you get into like a firefight in a big base but like you get no music when you're just walking around which kind of makes it just like empty and silent 
um and like you run into enemies throughout the world to a certain degree and they're they're relatively spaced out but it's just it's just kind of lackluster all the way around i mean like you know like and i haven't really gotten i guess ridiculously far in it but like i've taken down like at least like five or six different like main whoops five or six main um bad guy characters uh for lack of a better term um whatever they call it the, the what are they called in this game uh i forgot what the fuck the the bad guy group is called but anyways killed like a chunk of them um and you know some of those boss fights were interesting kind of using your powers to do different stuff and but they're also just kind of like bullet spongy um and i'm not exactly 100 sure how i feel about that and if that actually works effectively in halo um and so this just it becoming like a co-op game to me doesn't really I don't think it'd be make it any more interesting. Maybe it'd make it a little bit more interesting. You know, it'd give me an excuse to want to beat it because the other person I was playing it with wanted to beat it or whatever. But beyond that, like, um, yeah, it's just it's it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird situation. Um, I don't know. Um, and so that's why everybody complaining about that one. I don't, I don't understand that one uh, for the most part, but it is what it is. Halo's kind of uh, supposedly the numbers have fallen off even more. I was reading a couple of things, but I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. It seems like I'm still getting into matches rel relatively regularly. I don't know if they've I don't think they've siloed the PC and the Xbox versions off. So you're not going to have I don't think you're going to have a player count dip, even if it looks like that on the plate. PC, you might have a dip on the PC significantly, but there might be still a ton of people on all the Xboxes playing Halo, you know, and so that's, that's, I think, kind of going to maybe become more of an apparent thing. We'll, we'll see how that all kind of goes down. Um, but, and then supposedly a couple of the big, um, um, a couple of the big pros were like going at like they are not even a couple. It was actually a decent list of them that were kind of trying to figure out like what three for three was going to do with the game and what their goal is and like what, you know, what the deal is like, uh, because I guess there's several things that pros have even asked for when it comes to their ability to, you know, keep, you know, I guess playing the game professionally and just like keep that whole entire like juggernaut going. Uh, some things that they wanted the game, like I think game mechanics, like the one of the ones I was reading about, which I didn't even really think was the thing was the mangler, I guess is ridiculous. It's, it's pretty decently powerful, but a lot of people wanted to be kind of like put either this, the position of that gun changed and it treated as a power weapon basically, or, um, it, like limited in some way because a lot of times like you kind of find that gun asymmetrically on certain maps and so that kind of lends itself to one team getting off and being able to pop off with the manglers uh initially or at least use that as the strategy but at least some or at least some people i was reading were countering with the idea that if one team popped up with it the other team would figure out a way or like would pop off back um by you know either killing and stealing manglers or eventually getting a mangler off the map you know kind of doing that whole entire thing um and so it's but it's interesting when you start getting into that kind of how I play uh, the little tiny uh, things that kind of like put certain strategies over the other. And if there's any little tiny thing that can be gamed, it starts to become like a main strategy and completely changes the whole meta. I mean, that's like half the thing with like speed running and stuff like that. So it's interesting you kind of seeing that live happen with Halo. But I mean, we'll see because it seems like everybody's kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of disappointed in 343's like approach to the content 
Um, though I know that because they were even talking about that they didn't want to necessarily make content like they did with I think one of the previous Halos, either th- either four or five, I think. Um, because I guess they released maps like every single month, or it was a pretty consistent time frame, and they they said it killed them. Um, which I completely understand. Um, but I think giving some kind of timeline, time frame thing, or just vague ideas of like what you plan on getting done, like say this year, like even getting that broad, uh, and nobody's heard anything, and it's been three months into the year, and so that's an interesting thing, you know. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, which is not. A great situation but anyways um i got another thing i wanted to talk about because i haven't played these games in forever i haven't even played probably the last three i haven't played gran turismo since playstation era um haven't played it since playstation era (laughs) probably Um, if I'd have to say, and, uh, I was kind of hearing rumblings about the microtransactions and shenanigans that was happening in, uh, Gran Turismo, just because they've changed it from, I guess what they used to do where they sold, I think they probably did a similar thing to car packs. Again, I haven't played this game in forever, but from what I was reading, it seems like they did a similar thing to like car packs and sold cars in kind of like DLC content style things, kind of like I'm guessing Forza Forza did and some of the other car games have kind of done, um, and they decided to kind of move away from that to a complete, um, just a complete credit system. So there's no buying car packs. There's no like DLCs. There's no nothing. It's literally, you're just buying credits and everything is credits in the game. That's anything from upgrading your car to like buying a car to anything. Um, but the crazy thing is, is that the prices for the credits are a thousand for a thousand credit or a hundred thousand credits. It's two. Two dollars and fifty cents, two hundred fifty thousand dollar credits. It's five bucks. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollar credits. It's ten bucks. Two million credits. It's twenty bucks. Right. The problem is, is that there's cars in the game that are worth two million credits plus. Just a single car in the game is worth two million credits plus. They're they're saying there's some cars in the game that are worth four million, like pretty extensive, like or not maybe 4 million specifically, but they were saying definitely more than 2 million. Um, and that's already hitting $20. So you're talking about buying a single car for $20, which is kind of crazy in my mind. Like we're starting to get into like, like with the recent Halo game where it's like the amount of money that you're charging for what is effectively a skin on a digital thing is kind of crazy. Now in Forza and Gran Turismo, I can kind of, understand and give them a little bit of a break only in so much as um the basically what what happens is you know they they put a lot of like detail you know in one to the interior of the cars but two into the how the cars like drive sound feel like it in each making each car particular and respond to its respond like it's a real world counterpart which is a lot and is you know, uh, a, I guess a big, a decent, a point to bring up in this argument, you know, of why you could argue that it should, maybe they should be, you know, charging more for some of these cars, but $20 for a single car is kind of crazy. Now, I don't know how many cars in this game are worth 20 bucks. Um, and I, I think I remember I was watching Dr. Disrespect play Gran Turismo and I think 
you can get credits in the game from winning races and doing that whole thing. So I guess it's not like super that big of a deal because I'm guessing you're going to be able to get credits in the game and that kind of offsets. It's either grinding, it's kind of pay to play, which is in my mind, if you can get it in the game and that's at least all right. But yeah, kind of having these weird kind of like, okay, we're just going to go credit system or we're just going to like start charging like a ridiculous amount of, and, and making the decision of like, oh, that we know there's some people that will literally pay 20 bucks for a car. So we're going to charge 20 bucks for a car. That's where it starts to get into like territory where you're like, Jesus Christ, like the microtransactions are ridiculous. Like, I mean, that's what, you know, in Forza's like, I've I've been a big Forza fan since like forever. I was used to be a Gran Turismo fan like way back when because I was a PlayStation person, but then I kind of switched over to Forza and then started playing all the Horizon ones, uh, the Forza Horizon games. And those games are great. Um, But those games also suffer from the same problem that I feel like this and it's not the same exact situation, but it's a similar kind of like really fucking annoying microtransactions. And I really started to notice it again when I played the most recent uh, Horizon that's in Mexico uh, because they I didn't realize it, I think, with the last one or the one before, because I think I bought one of the super DLC packs where I got everything in it, you know, one of the deluxe editions or whatever. But when I played just this regular version, because I think I got it on Game Pass for free, uh, you start when you drive around, you start running into like oh, okay, well, I want to play this race. Oh, well, you can't play that race because you can't, you can't, the only cars that you can use on that race are cars that are locked behind DLC content. And so like a part of me is like, well, can I just filter these races off my map then if I don't want to buy DLC content? Do I just have to run into shit that keeps popping up deal? Like you can sell me DLC content in a part of your game. The part of it that annoys me is when there's no discernible way to kind of like tell like with the new forza there's a lot of icons on the map that look exactly like a regular icon that would be like a race icon that you would get through story mode or whatever but then when you go to that icon you're like oh this is actually like a a specific themed event around a car that comes from a specific pack that you don't have and you're like well just take that out of here then just take that out of my uh you know um just take it off my like forza you know character uh and whatnot so it's just it's just it's just one of those things um that it it just it kind of breaks the flow of the game cuz i and literally it happened to me in forza where i thought okay i went to one kind of race thing and then uh i don't remember it was an orange one and then i went to another one of the orange ones and both of them had cars i couldn't use and maybe just avoid the orange one so i started to uh, but it's just weird when you have that kind of thing like b- built into a game that's just that apparent and you can just run into it. And I ran into it like multiple times in the game. And after that point, I was just like, well, I don't even want to fucking play the game because I can't even race because I'd have to spend money to race, which starts to get kind of stupid. And uh, I was and I, I don't know how true this is, but supposedly as you get through the Gran Turismo games, it becomes like you need to use your credits to upgrade your car. You're not going to beat the game. Um and so then that gets into a territory of like, well, like, can you effectively beat the game without spending money? You know, like, and I imagine you probably can. It would just require like a lot of grinding if you can do that in that kind of game, um, like redoing old races. Um, but yeah, that kind of shit is very interesting. Um, and I just don't understand 
Uh, well, I, I do understand it. I mean, the amount of money that I imagine they make on the whales and stuff like that when it comes to microtransactions, but it's just kind of disappointing because it kind of, for me, interrupts the flow of a video game and it's just not, it just, yeah, it just kind of ruins a video game to a certain degree. So it's a bummer, but you know, it is what it is. Um, into, onto, into and onto movie land, uh, supposedly and i had heard this kicking around for a while uh and i just re recently rewatched this movie or the original one at least or the first one in this chunk but uh supposedly will smith is gonna do an i am legend 2 the next chapter which i had heard about rumblings of for a while that they kind of wanted to do something i heard that there was rumblings that they wanted to do something at some point that was like the story of how the city got as bad as it did when you first meet him in uh i am legend the original movie or the first movie with will smith not the original because i guess there's the other one i think it's called omega man that was the first movie that did that so um but uh yeah uh, and I guess he's going to produce it with Michael B. Jordan. I guess they haven't done anything together, either produced or starred in anything together, which is interesting. I mean, I guess that makes sense, you know, Michael B. Jordan being younger, but I think both of them have been, you know, I mean, Michael B. Jordan's been around for a while. And I mean, come on, Will Smith. So it's like, it's interesting, but I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the story because it's basically going to have to take place before the first movie unless they just want to say that the ending in the force in the first movie wasn't the ending that happened they have if you haven't seen the alternate ending which in my opinion is a better ending and i like it better but they didn't go with that one so for the theatrical release at least so um it'll be interesting to see what they do with the storyline because f at least from everything that i've you know uh seen or at least heard the rumblings of throughout the years about this movie is they kind of wanted to show the city slowly kind of like turning into chaos after you know basically it would take place between the part in the movie that you see the flashbacks that you see calvin have or not calvin um his the main the character in the movie i forgot what the character's name in the movie is anyways but basically you know the flashbacks to him and his family trying to get out of new york and then the flash forwards to you know or the present day like i am legends movie you'd put the sequel i guess prequel in between those two um but i mean i guess we'll see what happens with it um i i tire of sequels uh it depends on the sequel some of them have been really good uh but also i feel like some of the sequels in recent years that have been really good are associated with series that are also like new so like one of my favorites have been the um uh the uh what do you call it i always why i it's uh it's not this is it this i don't think it's this no um i'm just not i'm just not gonna remember it. it's uh it's uh it's uh it's the is it the oh it's kingsman right yeah kingsman franchise God, for some reason, my brain keeps wanting to do, uh, thank you for bearing with me, by the way, but some, for some reason, my brain keeps wanting to do, uh, Statesmen, which I think were the other characters in the sequel movie and like all these other terms, but it's the Kingsman movie. So the first one, you know, the second one, I feel like all of the sequels that they've done and kind of how they've evolved that franchise 
it's been like really it's been really well done it was it kind of impressed me that they kind of went bigger and it, it they went bigger and it was bigger and better it went better so everything kind of you know went full circle whereas like a lot of times sequels don't and i i haven't been a fan of a lot of the you know modern remakes including blade runner which you know i'm like a massive original Blade Runner fan, but I hate the new movie. I love, well, and see, this is the thing. I love a lot of things about the new movie, but overall I hate it because I don't really think it's a good movie. I think it's like way too long. I think a lot of the uh, Deckard slash like callbacks to um, the first movie could be taken out of that movie and make that movie run more smoothly and kind of move quicker and be better even though that kind of takes out the storyline towards the end of the movie but i felt like that was the weakest part of the movie the part that i liked the most was the interaction between his like apartment you know ai that whole storyline all of that new at all the new added like characters and kind of that storyline except for um what's his face uh jared leto's character his character needs to be cut out too uh, of that movie um all of the new stuff relatively, except for him, uh, was great. And I wish the movie was more of that stuff and less of this like fan servicey callback stuff. And that's what I get worried of with sequels is they kind of go down this road of like, you know, kind of trying to give you everything that you want to see from the previous movie without realizing that like a lot of those things that were in that movie that worked, you don't like what you don't have to quite, you don't have to do it again. Like you could do, you could in, improve on it or kind of take it to another level or take it to a new realm and like doing this uh weird you know kind of like callback this constant callback to stuff it just it kind of gets annoying it gets it's overdone and you know when it's done subtly and done masterfully it can be amazing but a lot of times in modern filmmaking it's just it's like a it's like just hammer it's just blunt object that they're kind of hitting you they're hitting you over the head with nostalgia and it's just it kind of bothers me um but uh, speaking of nostalgia we got the new predator movie uh which we'll see again i, I the previous predator movie including the one where they went back to the home world was kind of a dis disappointment i guess that was the previous one correct yeah that was kind of a disappointment um my the only one i say i could probably like of the more recent ones was probably avp the original um, when it comes to any movie with a predator in it, but at least the sequel or this prequel called Prey looks interesting because it looks like they're going to do some kind of Native American twist with it, or at least some kind of ancient people twist where, you know, the predator is going to end up on earth in ancient times, kind of some of the stuff that we were seeing with, uh, seeing in AVP, you know, and some of those like flashback kind of like storyline things. And so that'll be interesting to see kind of how they take that. And see, this is what I'm talking about when you kind of like, let's take a common trope, common situation, common character and present it in a different situation. It's that's the kind of thing that could be interesting. Um, if done correctly, it could also be the worst be very boring be very and then also with this movie because it has the native american bent to it you know it could definitely end up being very a cult cultural appropriation you know it could could land in that kind of realm you know it could do all kinds of stuff and that's that's the thing that you kind of i'd imagine you kind of want to watch out for is you don't want it to you don't want to kind of make something that people end up being like well you know you, you want to make something that kind of pushes the envelope without kind of you know, crapping all over itself in a sense. So we'll see how that movie does. Uh, see how it is. Supposedly it's going to come out this summer. Um, 
but you know, I don't know. I've also, I've all, I'm, I guess you could say I'm more of a aliens fan and less of a predators fan, even though those universes are so tied together at this point. So it's kind of understandable, but that's kind of what I would say I was, um, more so of, uh, but you know, it, it's kind of a, and it, it's kind of a, it is what it is thing. And you, especially with these franchises and these, you know, movie studios, they're going to kind of want to continuously make, um, continuously reuse and push those franchises. You know, like I think I heard that they're, and I didn't think Disney was ever going to touch this, but I guess they're going to do a live action Aristocats, which pisses me off because that's going to be fucking, you know, um, it's just going to be the worst. It's just going to be, you know, it's it's going to be like cats. It's like, why do you need to do a live action movie of that? Just re-release the fucking, or if anything, like do a stupid like Pixar 3D version of that movie if you're going to remake the movie. But like, don't remake that movie. It's just a good movie by itself. Like, you don't need to remake it, you know. Um, and that kind of stuff bothers me. So I'm always just, it's just kind of like, what are you doing, guys? What are you doing, you know? Um and then recently, I, w I finally got around to watching that Doctor Sleep movie. Uh, you know, I love The Shining. It's a great movie. And Doctor Sleep was, it did a lot of interesting things um, being, I guess, a sequel. And I have never read the book, so I don't know. Uh, it definitely gave me a lot of vibes of like, you know, Stephen King trying to flesh out his universe more, which sometimes is amazing and sometimes is like the worst thing ever. In this in this example, it was amazing. Or not in this example, it was amazing. In this example, it was relatively all right. It wasn't, it wasn't the uh, best, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't like super duper piss me off. It kind of worked. It kind of fleshed out stuff a little bit more. Of course, it takes a little bit of that mystery away. Um, but it also falls, I feel like, into the same trap that the, uh, as I mentioned with the Blade Runner sequel, where it just kind of like one, it didn't need a lot. It had enough of the callbacks to the previous movie at a certain point in the movie where it didn't need more. And then when it hit a certain point in the movie later in the movie, um, it had a lot of callbacks to the first movie, which was cool at first. And conceptually, it's very interesting um, with how they set it up in the universe in the second movie, because you don't really know a lot of the stuff in the first movie. Um, or in the first book or whatever. And so it sets, it gives you a lot more context for everything. And it, it, it kind of does it in an interesting way. Uh, I kind of like what they eventually do, um, and how they, where they eventually take it, but it just it ended up being way too long. I don't know how long, let's see, let's look up how long that movie was. Um, let's see. Does it say, do we, do we get a good, is there a good, doesn't, doesn't IMDB give you, give you the straight time, the, the amount of time, the total time. Okay. Yeah. Almost three hours, two and a half hours. Well, it felt, it felt like three hours. So that's bad too. That the fact that it was less and it felt like more, you know, I love Ewan McGregor. He's great in it. Um, I love kind of what they do with him being the son and him kind of like trying to make up for his father's legacy. I love a lot of that stuff in the movie, but it ended up being too long, kind of, and it fell down that road. And that's why I'd ultimately say you could probably just avoid it. Like it's cool. Again, a lot of the new things that they added to, I guess you could say the shining universe or whatever, but this is where it starts to get stupid. It's like, why do you even have a shining universe? Like who cares? Why are you trying to flesh that out more? But the way that it is fleshed out is interesting. And I imagine they took a lot of that from 
the sequel, you know, the actual Doctor Sleep book that, you know, Stephen King wrote. So I can imagine, you know, it's interesting to see sometimes where Stephen King kind of fleshes a lot of that stuff out, but also sometimes it just, just you just don't need to. Something was perfect and fine and self-encapsulated originally and to kind of flesh it out more, or do anything else with it would just be kind of uh, ridiculous in my opinion. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, it is, it is, it is what it is, you know, but that, you know, and then we, I, we finally finished, uh, Pam and Tommy. Um, and Pam and Tommy was great. Uh, I, it, it, that show starts off with kind of such a bang in a way, like the, all those, that first three episodes or four episodes starts off with such a bang that, I was kind of in a way like let down by the ending. I, and I don't want to say because I wanted the ending to end with a bang because of the context of the situation, which is horrible. But I, I was curious if they were going to show Tommy getting physical with Pamela Anderson. Like, like, cause I know he, um, I don't remember, I don't, I remember reading it when I was kind of like reading up on the story, but I don't remember the specifics, but he got into a domestic violence thing. I don't remember if he like kicked her or punched her or whatever it was, but it was some kind of domestic violence, you know, thing like, you know, physical violence situation. And I was curious if they were ever going to, if they were going to go there and show that kind of stuff, you know, like pull like a, a, a wolf of wall street and actually show like this fucking deteriorating and getting like fucked up. Um, and they didn't, Oh, well they started to, they started to, and then it just kind of like ends and everything kind of like splits off. And then they kind of just give you like an end of the show. Like here's a text wrap up, which was fine, but I kind of expected them to just show us a lot of that stuff. I was surprised that they didn't kind of go there with the show or like do a second season and go that there, go, go there with the show. Um, I'm glad that at least the initial thought wasn't let's go do another 5,000 seasons of something because we don't need more seasons of shit. But at the same time, it kind of felt like it kind of like waffled the ending a little bit with how much buildup it had. Uh, a lot of where it kind of went with some of the characters, I was, it just kind of, and I know it's based on real events, but I think maybe it's just the way that they portrayed it. Um, cause we, I think we had already seen some of the most extreme examples of the stuff that it kind of repeated over and over again towards the end of the show by the time we had gotten there. And so because of that, it, you just kind of didn't really, it didn't have the impact that it did. So that was kind of a disappointment, uh, that I felt like I, you know, I kind of ran into, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard with some of those TV shows and kind of knowing where to go with it. Um, but I was just, I was curious to see where they were going to go with it. And, and the show just starting off with such a bang, it just, it it disappointed me a little bit how it ended. Um, and you know, usually when something disappoint, disappoints me when it ends, I kind of tend to not recommend it just because in my mind, sometimes it make that makes it pointless because it's like, well, even though I do believe the story is, you know, the, the the journey is important and the journey is sometimes always like the best part of the story. If it doesn't have a great ending, that definitely heavily impacts the journey and makes and brings up the question of the worthiness of the journey even. Um, and so that's where I would go with that. Um, I've also been watching Secrets of Playboy, which is crazy. Um, I might get on 
uh, get into this more on another podcast because I'm not exactly finished with it yet, but it is very interesting to kind of, again, this is another case of an old school institution coming out of a time that was supposedly progressive and having a progressive bent to it, but actually really just being the same old kind of like old boys club kind of situation. Um, and that's kind of like crazy, uh, but crazy, but I guess not unexpected. And I had always heard things throughout the years. I guess I didn't know the extent and the detail, which is kind of crazy. Um, and just how crazy it got in some of these circumstances. You're just like, wow, some of these stories, I never really knew this, you know, but of course, you know, who, you know, who won playboy did a great job of kind of like getting let you know moving on from a lot of that stuff and kind of uh uh handling or for lack of a better term that crap uh or not that crap but the stuff that would tar tar tarnish their name and doing it in a very like sadistic like fucked up way um it it becomes a pretty it becomes a pretty crazy situation um and just you know hearing about like it just it's just it's just mind-boggling i would suggest watching it it's been definitely really good so far uh but it's just it's just crazy it's another one of these examples of these like old school groups and institutions that you know you wonder like it, you're like oh so really when people do say that you know money can really kind of buy you into any kind of situation or buy you protection it's like there's this is another example of like that money and prestige and his name being able to like smoke screen for all these other guys that are in some sense like pseudo predators on the level you know of like some of the hollywood elite predators that we've heard about before not predators as in like you know which well i mean i guess a lot of these women were like ridiculously young so you could say there's like a younger women child bentness to this but beyond that it was just a lot of women that were abused that they were you know this was a job that they took and that they were abused and on the job and all the different levels and facets of playboy you know it wasn't just where you would <clears throat> it isn't just where you'd think it would be which is you'd think it would be in like the photo shoots and stuff like that i'd imagine you would think it would be in that situation but it's not just in that situation it's at the clubs it's at the it's everywhere it's all the way up and down and it's just kind of like the you know and also the aspect of the culture of it you know um and that's why i'd say it's just kind of weird uh for it being lauded as such a progressive thing in a sense but then it ultimately ends up just being another old boys club um but yeah that that show's been good like i said i'll probably i'd imagine i'll dive into it more in another time but you know um yeah it's it is it's just it's just crazy it's a lot of stuff's just crazy you know and i just seen you know another one of the crazy just breakdowns of uh of a situation that's been kind of happening is like the kanye west saga especially with Donda two and like all that stuff that's kind of been going down um it's very it's crazy to kind of see uh <laughs> where that's gone and it's just interesting it's just interesting his perspective on stuff like because in because like one of the things that he was bringing up the other day was that you are getting me saying shit that isn't filtered through some kind of PR form, which is you're like, OK, on one end, you're like, that's kind of cool, I guess, nifty. But it's not cool when you're like semi like pseudo stalking or like whatever you want to call it, like not stalking, but like uh, some of the shit that you're saying about the guy that's with the chick with your ex at this point and like all that stuff. Um it just get it gets it's getting a little intense it's you're 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 not trying to be copacetic with the situation the situation is exploding you know um into like a crazy situation um 
And, you know, to kind of see that perspective, you know, j just, you know, he's like, well, sometimes you agree with me. So I, cause he's been doing these videos where he's like in front of like a white background. He's like, well, sometimes you guys agree with the shit that I do. And sometimes you agree, you don't agree with the shit that I do. And I'm like, well, I get that. And we're all human, but like, there has to be kind of like a line you draw with like, you know, starting to, um, make like, I wouldn't call it abusive behavior, but like problematic or like kind of scary male behavior, like not acceptable, but like you're trying to have people empathize with your side of it, which is understandable. But then you're doing shit like you have the song security, which I get was about a specific time where you had something go down, but it's also like. I would say like an anthem of like, you better watch out because it's not going to matter what the fuck you put in between me and you, shit's going to go down. Or like when I want to get my kids, I'm going to get my kids. And that's like a scary thing that a lot of people go through when you have divorces go down, but they go through it with psychopath males who are ready to like kill, shoot, do whatever the fuck's going to go down. And so, and it's not a good situation and it's not a good situation to kind of like, for a for a pop star like Kanye to kind of be like I don't know it's a hard thing because it's his, it's his art he should be able to tell his story right but at the same time it's just it's it's a very thin line that you have to walk a lot of those times when you tell stories like this and it's it's crazy and you know this wanted me to get onto his whole entire uh his uh, opinion about the billboard and how the billboard didn't want to take his album on because they made a rule and I think it was Taylor Swift or Taylor Swift and some other country person that were selling their tickets with deluxe editions or selling, yeah, selling their tickets with deluxe editions of their albums or like editions of their albums or whatever to kind of like package shit together. So that say, even if somebody had bought the album or listened to the album or streaming the album, they also then bought the album again if they got tickets to a specific concert or whatever. And the problem was that Billboard's like, well, this doesn't seem like these are authentic album sales these aren't like real album sales so they considered they made it so that anything that is a part of like a deluxe edition that isn't just directly the album being listened to is uh not counted depending on what gifts and what like stuff it comes with there's all kinds of rules with it so they're claiming that 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 the stem player that donda has been released on falls into this category and is why they can't list it on billboard and kanye is claiming not claiming but kanye is saying that that's great and that it's the best situation ever because now he doesn't have to be compared to people anymore. And I guess he has reached that point in his career where one, it doesn't fucking matter. And two, yeah, I mean, he's Kanye West. Like, who cares? The people will listen, will listen. He made like, I think it, I was reading, he made like some like almost $8 million, $9 million selling the stem player. So like, hey, more power to you. I get it. That's that's some crazy, you know, it's some crazy stuff. But like, um, it's just interesting I don't, I always wonder sometimes if he isn't trying to like twist it positive or if he actually does believe the crazy positive take that he's going after. Um, but yeah, it gets, I mean, I'm, I'm not even really like defending Kanye exactly, but it gets, it kind of gets hard to be a fan when a lot of this stuff is out in the open. And then also I always go back to the thing, even though this is shit that's happening with his family. I always wonder if this isn't just like another like semi publicity stunt thing because he always does some shit like this around his albums and it's like, you know, like it just makes you wonder, you know, it just makes you wonder like what the fuck. So I don't know. Um, again, my opinion on the album has changed. It has a lot of interesting aspects to it, but it is probably one of the more unfinished albums of his recent time. And 
it also is kind of unco- doesn't have a lot of cohesion. It has cohesion in a sense, but not nearly as much as the original Donda. But it's better than the original Donda, in my opinion, even though I would say that the original Donda is more cohesive. So there's that kind of like back and forth with it um, that I can't, you know, I can't quite uh, cross, can't quite cut. But, you know, um, yeah, it's just it's it's shenanigans stuff. That's the only thing. That's the only problem with it. So but yeah. So, I mean, that's I mean, that's going to be that's going to be it for this week of um, Bottom Fidelity. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because I had a whole bunch of stuff kind of like come up and I had to do this and I had to do that and it just becomes a whole thing. So this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. No slept on this week. Um, but I will be back next week. Um, well, actually I'll be probably back this week because it's coming out today on Monday. So I'm going to get back on the Thursday schedule probably, or we'll see, but, you know, I'm going to try to stick on the Thursday schedule. But we're posting this episode because I didn't get one last week. Um, get one in. Uh, but I should be posting another episode on Thursday. So get ready to check that out. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys have a a good uh, a good week or whatever. A good a good a good next week. A good next couple days until I see you on Thursday or whatever. Thursday, Friday. I don't know. You know, whenever. But yeah, this is uh, Bottom Fidelity, and I'm Joshua Vito. You have a good one.